0: Welcome to The Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that The Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. And so I bring you greetings. Greetings in the matchless name of Jesus. Our ministry, The Bible Speaks, is intended to do Primarily one thing, glorify God, and we want to do that through opening his word and encouraging you to become a student of the word. You don't need a lot of degrees or education to understand the word of God. You do need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and we simply want to help to guide you there by his grace and in fulfill- fulfillment of his word which says go into all the world and preach the gospel and that gospel that good news includes how to help people to find the Lord Jesus and to grow in grace and to continue on the word of God makes it clear that we need this encouragement and so we want to be part of that in your life today I am delighted thrilled excited about the prospect of what I share with you now last week Those of you who are with us will remember I mentioned to you that the Lord has answered your prayer in finding a servant of his prepared and called and ready to stand with me in this broadcast and ready to take over when God's time so indicates. And so let me repeat a little bit of the introduction, because today he is with us. His name is Dean Paul Hart. He was born in Jamaica and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. His parents, Frederick and June Hart, started a business about, I don't know, 40 years ago, I guess, or 30-odd years ago anyway, and he is now the president of Compaq Industries. He's had a full and busy life, and I want to just remind you of some of the things I said last week and introduce introduce those of you who were not with us. He has a business degree from Georgia State University and from the University of South Carolina, as well as a Master's of Theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. Dean Paul Hart has been married for close to 22 years to his sweet wife, Nikki. Dean Paul and Nikki have two teenage children, and as president of Comeback Industries, Jean Paul seeks to merge ministry, marketing, and merchandising for God's glory. That alliteration is his, by the way, not mine. Ministry, marketing, and merchandising. Kind of what Paul did, kind of what the seller of purple did in the book of Acts. So it's a model that's biblical. And I thank God that the hearts have chosen that direction. And you and I are blessed by the ministry God has given to Dean Paul to break the bread of life. Today it is my delight, my pleasure, my prayerful expectation that you will receive Dean Paul Hart and he's going to introduce himself and share with us today his first message on The Bible Speaks. He will also be next week sharing with us in our five-minute edition of Words of inspiration. So, without any further ado, my delight, your blessing, Dean Paul Hart. Welcome.
1: Well, what a joy it is for me to be with you today. I'm excited for us to look into God's Word because I believe that whenever the Bible speaks, we want to pay attention. If you would join me today, we're going to look in Matthew 3, uh, verse 13, at a, a story that many people have heard the baptism of Jesus. And I'm going to jump right in with the time that we have today. And I'll look forward to letting you know a little bit about me uh, and the opportunities I have to be uh, uh, with you in the future. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, I'm reading from the ESV, says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Now, when we get to hear this story of the baptism of Jesus, it's important that it's found in the book of Matthew. And the first question we always want to ask is, to whom is the author writing? Well, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience, and we know this because of the extra use of the Old Testament throughout Matthew compared to the other Gospels. Each of the writers has a different audience in mind, and so they pen uh, what the Holy Spirit gives them through their own history, and through their own cultural background. Uh, As he writes, it seems that there's an expected understanding as well of Messianic passages. Well, how do you know that? Well, right away we ask the question, who is Jesus? Well, Matthew opens up with Matthew 1.1 that Jesus is the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. As you keep on reading, we find out he's the Savior. He's the one that the Jewish people were looking for as Messiah. He is Emmanuel, or God with us. He is the ruler and the shepherd of Israel. He's the Son of God. He's the beloved Son of God with whom God is pleased, even as we find out here during the baptism. So the baptism of Jesus stands out as a special moment. But you say, well, what is the purpose of the baptism? Well, when you go back to Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7, you'll find that this is the coronation event of really King Jesus. It is him stepping forward and the father proclaiming that this is my beloved son. And so it serves to identify Jesus as the promised son. Anyone that was there that would have looked on and been seeing and heard the voice come from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, should automatically hearken back to the Old Testament when it was said that you are my son, today I have begotten you. And so we open up in Matthew 3.13 with just a powerful moment. If you'll notice, all of the Trinity is present. We see Jesus being baptized, the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, but we also notice that God the Father is speaking, saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Well, don't miss that throughout Jesus' ministry, he will be led, fed, upheld, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, really, this is true for you and me as well. Is that uh, we're going to be need to be led, fed, upheld, and empowered by God, the Holy Spirit, as we live this Christian life. And so we finish this last story of Matthew three, and you go, well, so what? Uh, uh, sure, this is an important moment, but Matthew, why did you write this, and why did you pen it here? Well, let's continue reading. In Matthew chapter four, verse one, we find out we run into this uh, next series known as the temptation of Jesus. So Matthew chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, "Begone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So what's happening? What is this temptation of Jesus. The Bible is clear when it says that God can't be tempted with evil, and so Jesus wasn't tempted to sin, and yet there was this test that Satan was going to put Jesus through. Uh, Jesus is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. He hungered, he thirsts, he's tired, and we see that through this. So as he heads out to the wilderness, he's going to fast for 40 days and for 40 nights, and we find out at the end of verse 2 that he was hungry. And so... Satan comes into the picture. And if you'll notice, Satan loves to question God's word. Uh, One of the times in the future, we'll take a look at it, but you can see in Genesis 3, when Satan first shows up on the scene, he immediately begins to question Adam and Eve. Did God say and question God's word? Uh, uh, Ultimately, um, uh, I'd love to make the argument that, did Adam know good from evil before he ate the fruit? Yes, he did, because God had to find it. And you see, this is this battle that we experience between experience and faith. And I want you to know that Satan has and will always want you and me to know, quote-unquote, by testing God's word rather than by trusting it. You see, Satan deceives so that we deny God's declaration for our own determination. And all of a sudden, the pride comes where I want to experience what God has said more so than I want to believe what God has said. I want to test God's word rather than trust God's word. Well, there are three tests that follow in this passage. The first test that comes is Satan says, who are you? And he challenges Jesus's identity. He opens up and he says, if you are the son of God. Well, I don't miss the fact that the previous chapter finished with the declaration from God the Father at the baptism of Jesus. This is my beloved son. You see, Jesus had no problem knowing that he was identified as the son of God. But Satan begins to either question it. If you're the son of God, then you should be able to make these stones, uh, become loaves of bread. Moreover, it may be, since you are the son of God, then I want to challenge you, Jesus. You see... Jesus responds with a quote from Deuteronomy 8 when he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God tested Israel in the wilderness with hunger to see if they would obey him. And Jesus checks that box. I know who I am. God has already said that to me. But the second text comes. Jesus says, uh, Satan takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written he'll command his angels concerning you. Don't miss that Satan knows scripture as well, but he uses it badly. And so he begins to challenge your understanding. But you see, Jesus knew how to respond. He said, You shall not push your, the Lord your God to the test. And he quotes from Deuteronomy 6. You see, Satan used God's word out of context, but Jesus knew that God is not to be tested, just as Israel did it at Massa when God provided water. The last test that we find is Satan takes him all the way uh, uh, to a high mountain, shows him the kingdoms of the world and says, bow down to me. He challenges Jesus's commitment. He says, there's an easy way to get the glory. You don't have to go through the cross. And later on in Matthew, Uh, um, Matthew's going to pick up on this when Peter says, no, you shouldn't go and die, Lord. No way, not for you. In a quick series, you can see that our identity, understanding, and commitment are challenged day by day, just as they are for Jesus. And really, the question comes, what are you going to do with who God has said you are, that you are his very own child and you are beloved? What you're going to do with what you know, what you understand, whether you understand much or little, will you obey it? And will you pursue God completely? And finally, uh, um, is your commitment being challenged? Will you serve God no matter what? This is true whether you're young, middle-aged, or older. Uh, The issue is not just the issue of the head, but it's one of the heart and hands Um, I'm excited that whenever the Bible speaks, I believe that ultimately it challenges us to trust God and obey Him. I hope you're encouraged today, and you'll go back and read about the baptism and temptation of Jesus. And I look forward to the next time we meet. God bless you.